Good morning and welcome to New Beginning Radio, where we're planting seeds today for a better tomorrow and taking positive steps towards our future. Today, we welcome back my co-host, Mr. Sheldon Gooch. Good morning, Mr. Gooch. Well, good morning to you, Miss Sanders. Good morning, Mr. Gooch. How are you this morning? Oh, I tell you what, I am almost perfect and I'm getting better. I just feel blessed and highly favored. How are you? Man, absolutely wonderful. Good. Well, we're excited to be back and we want to say good morning to all of our listeners. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's, we always think it's an honor and a privilege to uh, be before you sharing what we feel like God's put on our hearts to share with you. So thank you for joining us. We're here every Monday morning, and our purpose is to be solution-based instead of just problem-based. And so um, hopefully we'll share something with you, uh, our listeners, uh, that will encourage you or inform you or inspire you. And like Miss Sanders always says, to just kick your week off, to get your week started. Is that right? Is that absolutely, what you absolutely. Anytime you can start off your morning on a great note, you know, most people say, oh, it's Monday. I really don't want to go do this. But it <laughs> is a blessing to be able to wake up on a Monday morning in your right mind. Amen. Amen. So thank you all for, uh, for being with us again. We're so excited. This week, we will be talking about our books and our ministry that are sort of a hands-on application of concepts that God has given us. And and so I know, Miss Sanders, you have several chapters in your book that, and you use those nuggets that your mother uh, gave you as teaching points to help people get out of the the darkness that they're in. So you were sharing a scripture with me earlier, Second uh, Corinthians nine and ten. I immediately saw the parallel between the scripture and what your mother shared with you. Nine and ten says, "Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness." And your motto for your organization is planting seeds today for a better tomorrow. Absolutely. That was uh, <clears throat> one of the things that my mom taught me many, many years ago. And the little story behind that and, and how she taught me how to plant seeds. There was a young girl when, we were, when I was in school and uh, she was a bully. Uh, some of you may know about someone pulling their hair or, or want to be control of the whole classroom. And uh, unfortunately, I had the experience, a lot of experiences with this young lady. But one of the things that she used to do, she used to, I would go home at that time, I had long hair and hmm. my mom would put bowrets on and I would go to school and she would get frustrated because I was cute, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so she would pull my hair and take my bowrets. So many days uh, that was something that she did. So my mom would ask me when I got home, what happened to your hair? 
And I said, we play ball. <laughs> uh, and she said, ball. And I said, yes, ma'am, we played ball. We was, we was playing ball. And uh, uh, two or three days in a row, I came home and told that same, excuse me, lie. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want my mom to know that someone was beating me up and, and taking my bow rats. Oh. And so I remember one day I finally had to tell my mom the truth. My mom used to tell us all the time, uh, <clears throat> if I ask you a question, I already know the answer to it. <laughs> so uh -oh. that made you honest. So, so, but what she, what uh, what happened was, I told her that uh, this girl at work at um, school uh, would beat me up and take my bowrets every day, and I said I hate her. And my mom said, "Hey, I didn't teach you how to hate. I didn't teach you that." And I said, "But I hate her." <laughs> and uh, my mom said, at that time we were shelling peas, and she said, uh, "Come go with me. Bring those peas. Bring that water." And we went up to old clay dirt uh, hill on uh, on our property there. It was clay dirt on the hill. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, that's where my mom and my cousin used to meet up at and have all these wonderful conversations, eating dirt <laughs> and uh, having fun, I guess. But she took me up on that hill and she hit the dirt and the dirt was so hard. And then she hit me in my chest and she says, that's how hard your heart is. Wow. And what I thought was that she was really going to hurt me because she hit me so hard in my chest. She said, mm -hmm. I want you to know this is how hard your heart is. Wow. But the most amazing thing about that, she says, when someone do you wrong, we're going to pretend that this water is God. And you're praying to God. And the more you pray to God, this is the water. And she started digging, digging the hole. And it got softer and softer. And she said, if you continue to pray to God and ask God to forgive the people that have trespassed against you. Mm. That will, you know, that will ease your heart, you know. And she said it the the most amazing thing about that was if, you know, if you can forgive that person. Wow. Watch how God show up for you. And so she was teaching me that how to plant good seeds today for a better tomorrow. And um those are seeds that I've been planting all my life. You know, even when someone does something bad, I always find a way to come out of my human being and go into my spiritual being mm -hmm. and start to pray for that other person, you know, because sometimes they don't know what they do. Wow. Wow. And, you know, uh, in your book, uh, in that, uh, on that particular chapter, um, where it says planting seeds today for a better tomorrow, there's another scripture that you that uh, that you're using there, and it's a familiar scripture as well. You're sharing your story, and I've heard you tell your testimony. This scripture comes to mind um, where in Luke the sixth chapter and the twenty seventh to the through the twenty ninth verse it says, "But I say unto you which hear." Love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and to and unto him that strikes thee on the cheek, offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Well, that's a, that's some strong stuff right there. 
Yes, and it's also a test. <laughs> and that test is if you can actually forgive someone that hurts you or turn the other cheek for the person that you know that means you know good. You know, mm. if you could just come out of yourself and pray for that person. And it still goes back to the same thing. Watch how God shows up for you. Mm. Because no matter what you do in your life, if there is a test involved, that test is for a testimony for someone else. So God can get the glory. Mm. Wow. So, and I've heard you talk to others. And, you know, one of the hardest bits of advice anyone can give is to just let it go. I've heard T.D. Jake say it. I've heard Joel Osteen say it. I've heard um, just many uh, pastors, members of clergy, and I've heard other people just say it, just, just let it go. But that's really hard to do when you've been hurt deeply and emotionally. But what you're saying it, we got to find a way. Yeah, you have to find a way. And that finding that way is not for that other person. It's actually for you. And sometimes we don't know. You know, I always say there's two kind of beings. There's a spiritual being and there's a human being. And sometimes that human being stays out front mm -hmm. more than the spiritual being. Because when someone really hurts you, the only thing in your head is I'm going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the now right to do this to me. Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> so you, we don't have the right, you don't have the right to do these things to me. Who do you think you are? If you do this to me, then I can do this to you as well. But what you don't realize when you're, you know, anybody at, that digs a hole they always say if you dig one hole, you have to dig two. That's not true. If mm. you dig one hole, that's the only hole you're going to need because you will be the one to fall in it. Oh, you won't wow. have a chance to dig it for the second party. <laughs> so so sometimes we have to understand God's purpose when people do things to us that we don't understand, that is hurtful and mean to us. We have to be able to say maybe they don't know who they are. You know, mm. you don't mess with God's people mm. that are anointed. Mm -hmm. So there's just right. so many different different ways that you look at it. I think for myself, uh, many, many, many people, you know, when I was much younger, did things to me that was, <sighs> that was painful. Mm -hmm. But yet and still, to... Then I was angry, I was frustrated, I didn't understand why. My question was always, why would you do this if you say that you love me? And, and, wow. and you know, and the thing is, you didn't love me, you didn't even love yourself. Because if you loved yourself, there is no way that you would have caused so much pain to another party. And what I do know is um, people that's going through any kind of trials and tribulations, if they're not satisfied with where they are, they want to bring you to the level that they're on. And sometimes we don't understand that. You know, we get in this mood where we want to get back or we want to, you know, make their life as miserable as, they're ma as they made ours. Mm -hmm. Not understanding that I believe everything in life happens for a purpose. And that purpose for me, I should say, <clears throat> it was a test. You know, how was I going to get... How was I going to pass the test? Mm -hmm. Was I going to fail it and go do, you know, become like the person that hurt me? Or was I going to hold my head high, walk in pride, and to be able to go through the things that 
had truly happened in my life that hurt me so bad. So in, in life, you have a choice, just like positive and negative, you know? Mm -hmm. You have a choice whether you're going to do the right thing or the wrong thing. When you do the wrong thing, it's always wrong for somebody else. But when you do the right thing, not only is it a blessing to you, you become a blessing to someone else because whoever is in your arena, you want to make sure that you take care of them so they don't have to go through the things that you've gone through. So can you give us an example of, of, of an actual circumstance other than um, the bully, you know, this, like maybe in business? I remember a time when you uh, had a had a uh, an employee or a business partner, and he did some unscrupulous things, and uh, and you you found that you found out about it, but yet still, when he had tragedy in his life, you were there for him. Absolutely. You know. Um... <laughs> There's many stories I could, you know, I could talk to, uh, talk to you about in, in reference to that. Um, they're, they're in business, you know, uh, sometimes when you bring people in business with you or you're trying to be an asset to that individual, uh, it's, oh, I understand, I understand. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate everything you're doing. But the moment that the contract is signed or the moment that that person feels that they have a win now, then you become less important to that person. Hmm. And and sometimes that's hard to deal with because, it, you know, we get to play the human role and say, if it was not for me, you, you wouldn't have this. Hmm. But yet and still, the test for me is to do what I was supposed to do. And once you do what you're supposed to do, then all of that is, is off of you. Because one thing I do know, when I reach out to people and I help try to help support the things that they're doing and it doesn't work out, I shouldn't be upset. I shouldn't be angry. I should just <laughs> go back to letting it go because I did what I was supposed to do. And that and and the test was on the other party as well. Right. So it's up to that any other individual person what they do and what they want to do but you know it's, but sometimes when <clears throat> people are used to just minimum and all of a sudden their life changes you know financially mm -hmm. everything about that individual person will change financially as well when I say uh, barely making it to now I'm doing really good I don't need you anymore so I've had a lot of that in my well not so much a lot but I've had some of it in my life I've had that I've had you know trying to deal with uh, employees for instance that um, didn't appreciate a lot of things that was done for them right. <clears throat> and then again the test Everything comes with a test, you know, and the thing is, how will I deal with that? And sometimes I haven't dealt with it very well because my heart get in the way and I think, why in the world, how could you do this to me right. when I've always wanted, you know, to help you in every way that I possibly can? You know, I remember one situation, and, and we, we won't mention <clears throat> any names, but the kids, all of the kids called you grandma. And yeah. that the whole family, as though they were 
blood relatives. Mm-hmm. And um, but then you know the betrayal took place. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I I have seen the kids come up to you in the stores and different places, and they the love was still there. Still there. I mean, there was people in my life that, like you say, I truly, truly love. And the kids became my grandchildren because they called me grandma. Mm. And that was the most painful thing. One is that I was betrayed by someone that I thought was a friend and realized later on in, in, you know, later on that they was they was only there for what they could you know what they could get at the time Mm -hmm. but yet it's still for me if i had been asked i would have given it unconditionally anyway but for someone to come and betray the trust that i had that devastated me and not only that the children that i love so much i was not able to see them anymore that was the hardest thing that I had to deal with. It wasn't even about so much about the betrayal of the other party, but the loss of the children that I love. Mm, wow. And you know, the I, I watched the reaction as they would see you in, in various places. They felt a great loss too. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah. They felt a great loss too. But that was um that was that was a test. That was a test, you know, and sometimes I opened my heart up and it get stomped on sometime, but you know that's a that's a part of life as well, you know. And I think as in life we're always growing and we grow through circumstances, you know. And sometimes, you no, know, all the times when trials and tribulations come your way, it's never to weaken you, but to find the strength within you. But sometimes betrayal is so bad, it's hard to find that strength because mm-hmm. we're constantly asking ourselves. Why did you do this if I loved and trusted you so much? Right. So it, it becomes hard. It does. it does. It becomes hard. You know, when we start thinking about Jesus and, you know, how he walked with the disciples. And then th- there came time for his purpose to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And he asked um, one of his disciples, are you going to betray me with a kiss? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, we we don't recognize the betrayal until, you know, it is in full bloom and, and it's too late. And uh, but to be able to go on and say, you know, I forgive you or uh, to be good to that person, you know, planting a, another seed, yeah. yet another seed yeah. for a better tomorrow. <clears throat> You know, uh, the most amazing thing about that, and again, not calling any names, that that gentleman lost a daughter. And the first thing that I did was I went to the family. (laughs) And I just said, what do you need me to do? Mm -hmm. And and it (laughs) it it was not difficult, you know, even though things had happened. It was not difficult because I loved the child. I loved the child and I was there for whatever, you know, for whatever they needed. And Mm -hmm. that's a part of planting the seeds for for me is to always plant good seeds regardless of what happens. You know, I know another story down in 
<clears throat> down at um, Camp Shepherd, there was a young gentleman that really nice, really nice young man, passed. Well, he got killed in a car car accident, and he passed. And one of the sad things about that story is that um, hmm, when I knew anything, I'm thinking that the young the young man was already, you know, buried, mm -hmm. and come to find out that his body was still at the film home. Wow. And I'm sitting going, what are you all doing? What What is going to happen? You know, and they were, you know, cooking fish sandwiches, having car washes and all that stuff to try to raise to, money. Try to, yeah, to try to raise money. And that went on for a week or two, but it was almost three weeks before they even buried him. And I know that his mom was devastated. And so falling... <clears throat> Hmm. The little nudge, nudge. I'm gonna get emotional. Yeah, <laughs> the see. little nudges that God gives me is just go. And so one of the things I wanted to do was find out what they needed, and went to the film home <clears throat> and talked to the um, director and asked what was needed, and she told me how much it would be to bury him. And I said, uh, <clears throat> I'll be right back. So I went to the bank and got money. <clears throat> and I buried him. And it wasn't for me. It was, it was for the mom, you know, to be able to, for her to have that peace of knowing that this is taken care of. So when I got back, I told the director, I said, it's important that you do not give my name. I don't need anybody to know I came here. And I really would appreciate it if you not tell anybody. But I want you to call the mother and tell her everything has been taken care of and she can bury her son. Wow. And to <clears throat> me, those are the type of seeds that you're supposed to plant. And it doesn't matter if somebody know about that or not. Right. It's just important that you do. Mm. I remember <laughs> growing up in my, my dad always had this thing about, I don't wanna, <laughs> I don't wanna barrel insurance, you know, this is crazy, but he did not want barrel insurance for whatever reason, for whatever reason he did. And I remember my mom would take money off the top and she would save it and the insurance man would come around. And uh, my dad would be working on a car and she he would say, well, well, um, my wife is in the house, but we don't have anything for you. <laughs> but my, my mom was putting back, paying uh, insurance policies because she knew something was gonna happen. But she just sacrificed those few little nickels and dimes, and, and it wasn't that much back then, but she sacrificed that, you mm -hmm. know, so we could have just in case. And about three or four years later, my mom got sick and passed. And my dad, I remember him and my uncle was having this conversation. He said, I have no idea what I'm gonna do. Wow. 
Wow. No idea what I'm going to do. And this same man found uh, read in the newspaper before he came back to collect insurance that my mom had passed. And so he came to see my dad. And I remember him, my dad having this conversation with him saying, I should have listened to my wife. I should have bought this insurance. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember the insurance guy giving my dad a check for $5,000. So she planted seeds she today. She planted seeds, yeah. <clears throat> and the only thing that I could think about when I kept hearing about they had not buried the young man, how devastating I felt when my dad said, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't have any money to bury Jen. That's what everybody called my mom, Jen. I don't have anything to bury Jen. And I could just feel that pain, mm -hmm. knowing that the that, that mother could not bury her son. You know, even in 2008, 2009, that was going on and nobody made made the you know made the effort to think that that day is coming you know right. sooner or later and and i could just see my dad's face <laughs> that was the first time i saw my dad's dad cry because he said i can't bury her i have no money wow and and just imagine what a mother was going through having a car wash for her son and not being able to bury him can't even really take the time to grieve because yeah. she's trying to raise money to put him in the ground. Mm -hmm. And for years and years, people would say, "We don't know where that money came from." And I and and when they start talking about it at work, I would walk away because I didn't want anybody to know that that was something that I did. It wasn't important. It wasn't important who paid for it. It was more important that not only the mother had peace, but her son could be in a resting place. That's powerful. You know, that's an incredible testimony. And that's right in line with the scripture that you were sharing with me earlier, Second Corinthians 9 and 10. You know, it says, it says, now he who supplies seed to the sower, you know, and when you, I'm, I'm sorry, I get a little preachy. That's okay. <laughs> but, but. but you know, you he blessed us to be a blessing. Always. And had you not had the 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 store, he said he would increase your store of seed. Mm -hmm. Had you not had an increased storage mm -hmm. of seed to sow, you could not have been the blessing to that person that you were. Mm -hmm. But God he he supplies seed to the sower. So if he had given that money to me, <laughs> I don't know, you know, oh, but, wow. but you are a sower and that's the reason why God continues to provide seed. And I noticed that all of your businesses, the motto is, uh, has been planting seeds today for a better tomorrow. Yes, <clears throat> because um, no matter what we do, we should always be looking uh, for a better tomorrow, regardless of what we do. You know, another one of the little stories that I had, uh, uh, back in 2011, I believe, 
uh, we was bidding on a contract and the lady <laughs> this is amazing how God worked with me you know about three months before the contract I kept having these crazy dreams I thought they was crazy dreams and I told I would call my brother uh, text him at five o'clock in the morning and say I'm having this dream it's about money <laughs> and uh, he was said, I, I hope it's for me. And then I said, it's for three, three members of my family. It's for you. It's for my two sisters. And it is amazing because the, the closer it got to that, the cl more dreams I started to have. And I would just wear him out at 5.15 in the morning, 5.30, saying, got to dream again. It's getting closer. And I remember one day going to the office, got up early because I couldn't sleep. And I went to the office and I was sitting at my desk and my spirit says, go to Brookhaven. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I can't go to Brookhaven today. <laughs> I said, I have too much work to do. I can't, I can't go. And so during that time, my brother called. It was about 9, 30, 10 o'clock at this time. He says, uh, so well, when are you going to pay me that check? And I said, well, I don't know. It'll come soon. And he said, how much is it? And I told him how much it was. And he said, no, at first I didn't tell him. I said, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do yet. And so I went on, uh, later on it came, it, it's getting close to 1130 and my spirit keeps saying, get up and go. And I just kept right typing. And around 12 o'clock, my spirit says, you need to be in Brookhaven before one o'clock. And I'm like, I cannot go to Brookhaven today. I have too much going on. And I'm typing. And as I was typing, my computer, true story, so help me. <laughs> my computer completely shut down. <laughs> and I, What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, what is wrong with this computer? And I'm beating on the computer. I said, I just bought this thing. So I reached down and I turned it back on. When I turned it back on, it went off again. And at this time, it was about five, six minutes after 12. And I said, I don't have time to go to Brookhaven today. And the moment I said, I don't have time to go to Brookhaven, I promise you, the mirror on the wall fell. You had to get out of there then. <laughs> I picked up my purse, threw it over my shoulder. People looked at me. I said, I'll be back. I'm going to Brookhaven. I cried all the way to Brookhaven. I called my brother and I said, can you meet me? And he said, sure. And he says, he said, you got me a check? I said, yes, I can have your check. I said, I got to get one to my other sister as well. So when I got there, he told me to meet him at Burger King. So I met him at Burger King. I wrote him a check out, not knowing anything about his house. It was the exact amount of his, of his house. Wow. And he looked at it and he said, Kobe, this is my house note. I said, that's what I'm supposed to do. So he was sitting in my my car. He got out. We talked for a few minutes. And it was just about three minutes before one o'clock. He got out of the car, walked around the car. And the phone rang. And the lady from Singleville, Texas called Miss Diane. And she said, Miss Sanders, congratulations. Are you all won the contract? She told me how much it was. And I said, are you serious? And she says, yes. She said, can you be in my office on Tuesday of next week? I said, yes. So Tuesday of next week, well, I was on my way back to Jackson. And I said, Lord, I only have $268 and some cents in my account. 
and the Spirit of the Lord says, no, you have two, you have $68 and something in your account. And I said, no, I have 200 I just did the math. And I promise you, it wasn't no moment, the moment I said that my phone rung. And one of my employees on another contract I had called and she said, Miss Sanders, can you lend me $200? <laughs> and I said, wow. yes, ma'am, I can. I said, where would you like me to send it to? And she told me, and I was at that Y to go back to my office or go to Vicksburg. <laughs> I took the exit to go to Vicksburg, came home and went to bed because I was drained. But that's how God works with me. And on that yeah. Tuesday, I had went to Singleville, Texas, and I was talking to the lady. And she says, you know, we've been going through this contract. I've been going through this contract. And it's been amazing because... I have been holding on to it, not knowing who to award it to, because it all was so similar. You and the other contractor were so similar. Mm -hmm. And she says, and I, it just worried me, worried me. And I asked her why. And she says, I went to church on Sunday. And she says, and the preacher was preaching about planting seeds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and she says, my dad always told us as children, we always plant good seeds. Mm -hmm. And that good seeds are to be planted in someone else. Because it may not be for you, but it could be for your, your children or your grandchildren. Wow. And she said, when I came back and I looked at your proposal again, your motto was planting seeds today for a better tomorrow. And she said, that helped me to make the decision <laughs> on this contract. Wow, that's a blessing. We have um, seen you prove that scripture, those scriptures out over and over again. And, and um, you know, just to know that your foundation, the Geneva Foundation, is, is really built on those principles. You know, walking them through their struggles and walking them out of their struggles and and uh, in doing that you are planting continuing to plant seeds uh, for a better tomorrow for them and we've seen that happen repeatedly that's the goal that's the <laughs> that goal. is the goal and let me tell you why because so many really bad things happened to me in my life i didn't feel love i didn't feel important I, many years, I felt ashamed and embarrassed, you know, not knowing who would watch over me or to take care of me since my family, you know, didn't do the right thing, the church or the community. And it was just like, I'm a kid, young, still in my teens, raising myself even though that there was brothers and sisters that I took care of still raising myself and and still feeling so alone you know mm -hmm. and didn't feel didn't feel loved and so the thing that I do now is to make sure that when people come in contact with me that they it's important that they know that they are loved and that's the reason I always say I'm a hugger, is because I want to give what I never got, you know, what I never got. Right. And that is my way of letting people know that no matter what you're going through, there is someone that cares about you. And that has always 
been my goal with whoever I come in contact with, whether it's my grandchildren's friends or or people that I meet or young girls that I claim as my kids. You know, I always want them to feel loved in my presence. That's good. Very important. Ladies and gentlemen, these concepts that you're getting we look at these as some real life solutions to, to some of the issues uh, that that you face, and we're hoping that uh, you'll take some of these um, uh, these words of wisdom to heart, and uh, they have been proven out, and um, and they're very effective, and that, and that you that you'll be blessed by them, and that you'll bless someone else with them. Um, I have the opportunity here to share just a. A little bit from um, the I'm Free curriculum, which I call it the Can I curriculum, um, C A N E I, which stands for Continuous and Never Ending Improvement, and and you know it is a full curriculum, but I wanna I have male discussion topics. And are you okay with me talking about? I am. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Because, you know, I think it's important, you know, while you're working with women, that somebody is working with, with, with the men. Absolutely. And it's so important that, you know, I've seen you walk females out in, to a point where their lives are, are healed and they're on a different course. But where is the guy that, that put them in the situation? And so... Um, so we have a lot of discussion topics, and one of one of them is, um, I call it, just give me the ball. Just give me the ball. And so it's entitled, just give me the ball. That's the topic of the discussion. And what, it's, what it is, it's assuming responsibility and owning the blame. Just give me the ball. And, you know, when, uh, when Michael Jordan was in the fourth quarter with three seconds on the clock um, and there were two points down, he had the flu. And the game was on the line. It was just a couple seconds up on the clock. And the coach was uh, bouncing around. The players were bouncing around. They were looking at the clock. It was a timeout. And they were in the huddle. And as sick as he was, he had the flu, he knew that he had to take the responsibility. And while everyone was saying, well, we got to do this and we got to do that and we got to do this, Michael Jordan just leaned over and said, guys, just give me the ball. Just give me the ball. And basically what he was saying is, I'm taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm shouldering the responsibility um, for, for, this, for this game. And one of the phrases, Ms. Sanders, that guys always say, and you've heard it, um, we say, my bad, yes. when we mess up something, right? Yes. And, you know, on the basketball court, we'll say, my bad, you know, if we step out of bounds, mm-hmm. or if we double dribble, or we foul somebody, or we, you know, we lose the ball, or get it stolen, or, or, or the clock runs out, or we go back court any of the violations that we do in basketball, when a guy messes up, he says, my bad, you know, mm-hmm. and the thing is, the problem with that is that, sure, it's your bad, 
but the whole team has to suffer for it. If we lose possession of the ball because you went backcourt or you found somebody or you took a shot that shouldn't have been shot, the whole team has to suffer. And what people don't realize is when we make bad choices or when we make selfish choices, sure, we can say my bad. I mean, if, especially you know, if we get caught or we go to prison or we get locked up or whatever, we can say my bad or sure, we can plead guilty and all that. But we got to realize that the whole team, and in this case, our families, our communities, our churches, our classmates, the people that we work with, everybody gets affected when we have a violation in our lives. And so aside from just saying my bad, we need to find out what are we going to do to keep that from happening again. If you're playing basketball, the coach can pull you out of the game and put you on the bench. And to me, that's going to prison. You know, you're now no longer on the court. You can watch the game, but you can't play it. And so um, it's, it's, it's important that um, we step up as men and we accept the blame and we have to realize that the ball is in our court. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things, and, and I've known you for a very long time, what is the age group of young men do you think that um, the issue starts in their lives? When, you know, young age, you know, they get involved in so many different things. They get involved with the wrong crowd of people. You know, or they get involved with games. So, what what do you think? Why do you think that the young boys do that? It's a really good question, and you know, of course, there's a lot of probably a lot of different answers. But um, you know, when a kid gets to be 12, 13, 14, a young man, um, he is very impressionable at that time. In other words, he easily he's easily influenced. And if there's not a, a man, positive male figure in his life that's giving him structure, giving him accountability, giving him love, um, and making him feel, you know, uh, you know, worth something and giving him value, then he's going to seek for it wherever he can get it. And if one of the homeboys who's, if I'm 12, 13 years old and one of the guys in the neighborhood is 16, 17, 18, and they're going, blood, you all right, you know, mm -hmm. then that's all I need as a, as a 12, 13, 14-year-old, you know. And, you know, the ultimate cult compliment that a, a, a man or a boy or a young man can get comes from another man that says, hey, I'm proud of you, or, hey, you the stuff, mm -hmm. you know, you the real deal. To get that from another guy, you know, that just makes you feel, you know, it just gives you a lot of value. Mm -hmm. What would you say to maybe a young lady uh, or grandmother, for instance, that's listening to the radio um, and there are young boys, she has young boys. What kind of advice would you get, give to her if the father is not in their lives, what mm. would you tell? What would you tell her? 
you know, because moms and grandmoms, we always going to be the mama and the daddy. But yet and still, we do so much. When when I say we, I mean myself too. Mm-hmm. We do so much. And as a woman, we can't, you know, we can't fill the shoes of a man, no matter what we say or, or what we do. That void is still missing for, you know, from the young man because the parent, the father, is not involved in his life. So what would you what advice would you give a grandmother or a mother that's that is a single parent and there's no man in, in the in the life of the father? Right. And you know that is a very prevalent problem and that's a really good question. And before I answer it, I have to give kudos and shout outs to all the females who are out there trying to raise um, kids by themselves, uh, you know, we, we can be some knothead, hardhead, knuckleheads, oh, yes. <laughs> and, and you know, for a, for a female to shoulder the responsibility, you know, you don't find as many females abandoning the, the boys or the kids yeah. as, the, as you do the men. And so, um, you all are the champions, but I have to be honest. A woman can raise her son, but it's difficult for her to to raise a man. Uh, it's it, she needs he needs another man, and so uh, when I say that, um, he needs the influence of a, of another positive male. Now the problem is is that there's not a lot of positive males out there that are willing to 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 be an influence and to to reach out to a lot of the young men that are out there and so um but there are a lot of negative men that are out there that just looking for a, a young lad to to turn out so to speak yeah. and the, and the, you know to, to get him to do the wrong thing and so it's just the weirdest thing you know but um but there are organizations out there that can that can assist uh, i remember being at the Boys and Girls Club when I was in Detroit, you know, and there was a guy named Gary Savannah who was a police officer. And he was a serious police officer on the street, but in the Boys and Girls Club, he he hung out with us, he played ball with us, he shot pool with us, and he always pulled us in a huddle and said, guys, I don't want to see you on the other side, you know, and so, that really meant a lot, you know. I mean, that was a mm. hundred years ago, but I still wow. remember this guy. Wow! You know, um, yeah, there it Planting is. Seeds. And so, teachers, Mister um, Mann was was a big influence on me, and he would say, "Mister Gooch," and I was twelve years old. Hmm. But he introduced, he called everybody Mister and Miss, and he said, "You know, you, you like to make people laugh, don't you?" And I said, "I, I do." And he said, "Well, then." You need to be the best at it, because I was disrupting the class. He said, you need to be the best at it, and you need to find a way to get paid for it. And I said, I am. He said, but you won't do it here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, wow. still, I was still clowning around. He said, come up here. And, uh, and he said, we're going to make some people laugh. And I bounced up there, and he said, turn around and face your audience. And I turned around and faced him, and everybody's laughing. He said, I bend over Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> and he whacked me so hard with that paddle. We called the board of education, and everybody was laughing. I was laughing. 
but you know, I was laughing out of embarrassment to keep it, and I know I started crying too. But um, but the point is, is that he cared enough. Mm-hmm. He was the he had the biggest influence on my life as far as school is concerned. He's always been my favorite teacher. It, but he had structure, and that's what we need. Mm-hmm. That's what young men need. So there's the boys and girls club. There's big brothers and big sisters. Um, you know, those are some really good organizations mm-hmm. that I've, you know, um, have You know, the 100 Black Men's are a good organization, too. They do a lot with young boys. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, um, but we, but my call right now is on men who can, um, who can reach out. It may not be your son. It may not be a relative at all, but reach out because... Your touch and your um, your words and your admiration um, to a young man can literally change his life. That is true. You know, can literally change his life. So um, the Bible talks about how fathers we are not to provoke our children to wrath, and we can make a young man angry and bitter, and by not. Um, acknowledging him Uh, you know we're absent we're not in his life but yet we want to come and grab him by the collar and say boy you're going to do this or that and all you're going to do is make him want to fight you because it's too late for that it's too late so it's a challenge on a mother and a grandmother especially when those young men are are growing up Um, but it's up to the other men you know it's, it's up to us they try to make a difference. So do you think there are a lot of young men out there that end up going to prison because they're trying to get the attention of the father? Absolutely. And that's a very profound question because a child um, will take whatever attention you'll give him, you know. And, but, you know, when a young man does not get the blessing of his father mm-hmm. see you know for a young man and I can this this is I can speak for me I can speak for my brothers we would literally die for our mother but we live for the approval of the father mm-hmm. and so uh, when the father is not there to say uh, son you're okay with me I, I, I'm proud of you I love you I, you know you're a champion you're a winner you're gonna make it, you know. I got your back, you know. Those words of encouragement. He is a prime candidate for for prison mm-hmm. because the gang is gonna tell him that. Mm-hmm. Blood, you all right? You know, you got what it takes. You know, you ain't scared of nothing. So he get it. So that individual child will be getting validation from a gang member. When he mm-hmm. needs to be getting it from his father. Absolutely. Absolutely. Their approval. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Because that he's got amazing. to get it from wherever he can get it from. Mm. That is amazing. So tell me a little bit about I'm Free and the things that you are doing within the prison system. How, how, are, you, how are you dealing with men that have been in prison and coming out of prison 
and and helping them to get back on their feet mentally, emotionally, physically, and a job. Okay. Well, that's a good question, and this has really have been a a life work for me, which started while I was in prison. Um, you know, working with guys. Once I began to become enlightened about having a life plan and and you know and 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 setting goals for myself and and, and working on self improvement. Uh, I began to share that with inmates that were there, many of whom got out before I did, um, and then some got out later. But um, the ones that I had a chance to spend time with and work with, and to share all the the knowledge that I was gaining through reading, um, there many of them are doing well. And so what I do now is I take a person fresh out of prison. Um, they don't know what they want. They are full of anxiety. There's no pressure like all of a sudden being free, where you go from being told when to lay down, when to get up, what to eat, when to eat it, when to watch TV, to t use the telephone, get some yard time. Um, you, you, you virtually lose all of your decision-making, period. And now all of a sudden you're free. I remember picking up a guy... Um, who was fresh out of prison took him to Wendy's um, and and I you know I said man you've been eating noodles for the past ten years let's uh, let's let's get you a, a, a hot and juicy burger he got there he could not figure it out and I said man these are burgers these are hamburgers he, you know he had so much pressure that he walked out of that restaurant and said I said what's what's going on man he said man it's I can't do it," he said. "Yeah, oh. I, I just can't do it." I said, "Well, let me let me order you something right quick." So I ordered him, you know, and he and he said, "Man, this is gonna be rough." All of a sudden, now I gotta determine, you know, where I'm gonna get clothes, transportation, job. I don't want to go back to the neighborhood that I that I got in trouble in because that's just gonna send me back to prison. You know, I'm trying to rehabilitate, but this it's a whole new world for me out here now. And so I sit him down and say, look, what do you want to do? If you don't know what that is, then let's take some time to discover. Let's take a look on the inside and find out what it is you, you, you want to do, how you see yourself, and, and what do you have to become. See, because you don't get in life what you want. You know, you get in life what you can picture. And so the me I see is the me I'll be. So we, how do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself? And it's not what you have to do to become successful. It's who you have to become. So who do we need to become here uh, in, in order to, to achieve what it is that you see, you know, for yourself in the long, in the long run? So, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of counseling. It's a lot of uh, encouragement and, and just walking them through the process. I mean, I have them calling me. Sometimes I had one gentleman that used to call me two o'clock in the morning. I said, man, I'm trying to keep from relapsing. I'm with a group, you know, and I need to get away from, you know, and I would get up and go out and get him and take him home. Wow. Um, and right now they say he's a, he's a, he's a minister in Texas. Oh, wow. <laughs> so. <laughs> moved on up, didn't he? Moved on up and moved <laughs> on out. And, uh, and so, but. You know, it just takes time. And a lot of people that's dealing with reentry um, and ex-offenders, they really don't realize 
how complex the work is. They say, well, we'll get you clothes, we'll get you in a church, help you get a GED and all of that. When that, all of those things are good, those are basic needs, but that person needs to be uh, re-socialized. And, uh, you know, he's, he or she is facing culture shock to come out of a, a secure environment. No, no, no pun intended. They have social security in prison. And I'm not talking about something you get when you're 65, but just, you know, knowing the routine and having the group and every day is the same and there's a lot of security in that. Now all of a sudden I'm out and I'm free and scared to death. And um, so. You know, uh, because of, you know, so many people getting ready to come out of the prison system now for all different kind of reasons, it should be mandatory that they actually go and sit down, talk to a counselor, counselor, not just for 30 minutes and then let him go, mm-hmm. it or her go. It should be an ongoing thing until that counselor feels that that person is where they need to be in mm-hmm. order to move forward in their life. Because right. when they come out, they come out with absolutely nothing. Yes. You know? But yes. now you got to, like you said, get a, you have to... You know, go go back into society. If you've been gone five, ten years, mm. you know you're so far behind the curve and trying to catch up mentally, right. you know, and emotionally to to go look for a job. And in your head, you're thinking, "I'm going to be turned down anyway. Yes. Nobody's going to hire me." Absolutely. You know, and but it would be so great because of the program that you have, that you have other people that has a construction company, right. that has other business, that will look at this person and say, uh, it's, it's not about where he's been, but where he's going. Absolutely. You know, to be able to create something for that person to feel comfortable about what about what he's doing. You know, you was talking about a few minutes ago, me planting seeds, you know, over the years I've seen a lot of seeds that you have, you know, that you had planted. I remember one day we was coming back from Madison and you just happened to call a church. And uh, you told the, the young man that answered the phone, your name was Sheldon Gooch. And he said, Sheldon Gooch, I remember you when I was very, very young, you know? <laughs> and that was like 30 years later. <laughs> right. And the young man still remembered you and you made a, a huge impact on his life. Mm. Talking about planting seeds, that was huge. I'm going down the road like, this man don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and wow. to be able to, um, speaking over 700 churches in the state of Mississippi, to be on Oprah, you know, mm. be on CNN, you know, that is remarkable by itself. But mm. I have actually seen so many people we you know we could be traveling or doing doing uh something or, or even in a store and people will walk up and start talking to you so i remember you when you you came to this church and and you know and that to mm. me that is planting seeds you know and and if somebody if you can do something so kind for someone else even just to change your mind frame mm. that is amazing when they can remember it 10, 20, 30 years later, that is remarkable to be able to have that type of influence on another person's life. So I say to you, congratulations on all the things that you have done in the past, 
all the things that you are doing now and the future is going to be even brighter for you wow well i received that and i appreciate that and i just you know i'm just like you i just want to please god absolutely and um you know he gets all the glory but he gave us this story mm -hmm. so we could give him the glory absolutely and i'm just so proud to be um a co-host of yours well thank you yeah. sir happy to have you absolutely <laughs> you and know and i know with this um station that we're going to do a lot of things because i know it's a it's a lot of healing that needs to be done. You know, mm -hmm. even with the things that, that I've dealt with, with, with abuse, sexual abuse, uh, mentally, emotionally, physical, you know, even spiritual abuse. It's just amazing how those things is an emotional tie to you for the rest of your life. So we definitely have to, you know, we, we're constantly planting seeds from one end of the earth, I guess, to the, to the other, right. because there's just so much that we need to do. There's so many people that needs help, mm. but to have this platform and give them the opportunity to say, if this woman has gone through this, I should be able to do it too. Or this man have experienced life plus 30 plus 30. You know, I was talking to a young man in, in Texas. He could not put his mind around being, you know, you being, you know, in prison, but yet it's still 30 plus 30. You know, that's amazing by mm. itself. You know, people say life, okay, life. But 30 plus 30, <laughs> that goes on and on and on for a long time, you know, and just to be able to have that and thinking about all of the things that have happened to you in your life and how you came out of those things. And, and it was all about God's purpose. It's all all about God's purpose for your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you so much for that. And ladies and gentlemen, we will be going live on New Beginnings Radio. And we want to get your comments. So if you're listening through an app or if you're listening through Facebook, you will soon be able to do a one keystroke dial in and you'll be able to call in. And we want to hear your stories. Uh, we want to hear your comments and your feedback. Any closing remarks, Ms. Sanders? Just thank you very much, Mr. Gooch. We really do appreciate it. And again, we are here every Monday at 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Every Monday. So if you're getting up and and you feel a little sluggish and you want some excitement in your life, <laughs> tune in to New Beginning Radio. Thank you for listening to New Beginnings Radio, where we're planting seeds today for a better tomorrow. 
and helping you to take progressive steps towards your freedom. We're here every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. We hope you join us. So may the goodness and mercy of the Lord pursue you all week long, and we'll see you right back here on Monday. Have a great week, everyone.